I'm about to say, because we didn't do it like this last time. Do y'all like take a break did, after each we question? We didn't do anything. Well, that's like what I'm this saying. Last time. I know. So that's what I'm saying. Do, like, take do y'all a break. Take, yeah. Do you go like what do you mean, one like, like and eat eight. a cracker? No. Like, <laughs> hey, we're answering number one right now. This we no, try to make know. it. A, we try to make it a seamless conversation. Okay. Cool. 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 Wow. I'm you not, try to be did you like, try, do like I'm not. You try did you trip on the stairs at work today and fall no. down three flights or something? I'm no. No, I normally like am not like on the spot comedy or on the spot storytelling. Like in regards to funny stuff, I can't. Like it's bad. Is in regards a word? Okay. Regards. With regard to, you mean? In regards to, that's, a, regards. that's a phrase. I guarantee it's a phrase. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So... <laughs> <laughs> but again, like I said last time, Bobby makes up phrases and words, and See, sometimes we have to short, run those across. If you're the recording game. this, yeah. if you're recording this, then this could be that little thing. I'm really good at like How jumping do you do subtitles on audio else. only. <laughs> what Bobby meant to say was, oh, buckets oh. of mercy. Oh my gosh. I mean, we can okay. talk about how Look, Brandon doesn't. Thing. Jordan's not here. It's we can thing. talk about how Brandon only responds to half your text messages. <clears throat> yeah. You get half? That's <laughs> <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> I can, we only wish I could get half. I've literally put in a decade's worth of time and energy to get half <laughs> of the questions that I asked. At least you're getting half, bro. Now I've that. realized I can just add more questions, and that increases my chance of another question getting answered see y'all act like this is insulting to me it's really not <laughs> what I'm, I'm good with doing whatever i need to do and okay. i don't live on my phone anymore so i'm perfectly fine with that well that's great that you don't live on your phone that's totally fine neither one of us hey, wants you to live on your phone would you what do you, so you you words <laughs> so, <laughs> okay i just wanted to make sure um what did you say yeah and then welcome to the testament podcast my name is dude you just and that's it thanks thanks for coming bobby wow i literally thought you said Welcome to The Testament, a podcast that spotlights the amazing real-life stories of everyday people who've been transformed by their surrender to Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of one of the many miraculous before and after accounts of lives forever changed by encountering the Savior. Welcome to the Testament Podcast. My name is Brandon Barton. And I'm Jeff Kick, and we are here today with Bobby King. Now, Bobby, you've been on a beer before. I have. But we kind of went off the rails. So we're <laughs> going to stick kinda. to it this time a little bit. Tell us about yourself. So I'm Bobby King. Um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart, Rebecca. Uh, we have two littles under two right now. That's going to be changing next month because Brecken is turning two and Reggie mm. is turning one. So yeah, it's about to be out of the two. You're gonna have twos. to change your speech. I know. Two I don't. Under two. I don't know how you say it though in a different way. But we have <laughs> one we under have kids, two and one over two and under. <laughs> we have kids twelve months and ten days apart. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. But love them. Love our little family there. Um, was born and raised here in Arlington. Same thing with Bex. And um, yeah, we we love our little lives here. We live, you know, eight minutes from each of, each set of our parents. And 
Um, a lot of our family is all here, so we get to honestly have the privilege and blessing of being able to be around um, everybody in our family. So that's super nice. Um, currently, we are going to Lake Church. I'm happy that uh, we're back here. Lake Church is my home church, and we'll get into it in a little bit. But um, essentially, you know, from a young age, uh, Lake Church has been my home. And once it became a home, it never quit becoming my home. Yeah. But working in ministry and having that call in my life and things like that, God's led us to different places. Um, but I am super blessed and thankful that we are back here. Um, and so, yeah, I own a few companies um, doing different things. A lot of it is based around media. And so um, we help churches, nonprofits, small businesses, big businesses do media. And so that looks different for, you know, everybody in, in their situation. Some people it's simple things. Some it's, you know, social media, some it's video, all that fun stuff. Um, me and Brandon also own a print company, um, called last call print shout out. Um, and, uh, then, yeah, I'm kind of becoming a little bit of a business entrepreneur wanting to, um, kind of buy smaller businesses, flip them, turn them, you know, do some other things there to, uh, essentially the whole mindset is every single business that I own mm. has a purpose for my life that then can be designated for a certain thing. Right. So let's say last call print may be eventually the thing that funds Ridgie's college. Mm. Um, Hashtag church is me and Becca's, you know, retirement. Shift three is, you know, buying, you know, the kids a house when they're 25. Because if I don't buy it now, then no one's going to have a house yeah, when they're true. old enough. Like, that's how my brain works. And so I have more businesses that I need to get to, <laughs> to be able to cover all these things. You know, their first cars and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's how my brain thinks and operates. Um, but it's just fun. I'm a really good starter. I'm not a good in the middle yeah, um, aspect yeah. of it. Like mm -hmm. I can essentially come up with a name, start a business, go get the DBA, go get the LLC, do all of that within a week. It's that second week that really trips <laughs> me up. Cause I'm like, okay, cool. Great. We're here. Now what? Now what? And so, um, I've surrounded myself with some, um, people that are way more wise in regards to that, um, aspect of, business and ministry and all those things. And so that's a huge blessing for me because I live up in not even in the clouds, like I'm up living in space and um, they have to kind of moonbeam me down just to um, <laughs> kind of have to moonbeam me down to get my attention on certain things. Um, but what's cool about it is everybody that I've kind of brought on to be those roles of people that kind of like are they ground me. Um they know that me living up in that space is good for everybody. And um, so Absolutely. that's, I'm, I'm allowed to really just operate in kind of how God's handcrafted me, which is super cool. So, yeah. So you speak about God handcrafting you. So this is the Testament podcast. Correct. So we we, we want to hear the testimony of how Jesus has changed your life. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I grew up a seventh generation Mormon. Um, I was my, my like great, 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 great grandpappy, whatever it is, however, <laughs> however many greats that is. Um, he was William Madison wall. He was a, the captain of the Mormon militia, 
uh, when they moved to Utah. Mm. So at the time, part of the reasons the Mormons moved to Utah is because they were becoming larger than the army in that area that they were at in New York. And so they got kind of ushered out. He was the captain of the army pretty much at the time and Joseph Smith's personal bodyguard. And so our ties to Mormonism go back like far, far like they have a statue of him, like in Utah. Um, oh, I was does in. Does he look like you? No, no. no. Um, he he does not look like me. Um, he skated that, didn't he? <laughs> I did, thankfully. Um, oh no, no, he skated that. <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. So I was in Utah this summer visiting one of my best buds, Nate, and we went to go see Grandpappy's statue. It just happened to be like pouring down rain at the time, so I didn't get to get out and take a picture. But I have seen it. Um, it is a real thing. It's not something that Google lied about. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so essentially go back seventh generation Mormonism. Um, my mom was like this extremely devout Mormon, was going to be one of the first uh, female Mormon missionaries here mm-hmm. in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up not working out, thank God. Um, but essentially like that's, she was all in. My dad, his upbringing, he grew up assembly assemblies of God, his his grandpa was the president of Assemblies of God in Louisiana, big pastor, Reverend Robert Sidney King. Like that's, that's granddaddy. Um, and so my dad grew up in that atmosphere. His parents um, were lead singers of a gospel group called the Masters, mm-hmm. not the famous Masters that the world like knows of. They were before that. And then when they got canceled, the other Masters came mm-hmm. in Um and they had a really bad experience with church. Their pastor, you know, took money, ran away from the church, and it kind of severed mm. what church was for their family. My dad grew up stupid, spoiled, rotten um, from my grandparents. They own businesses here in Arlington. And um, so he his faith was never really solidified. So when he met my mom, he was like, hey... <clears throat> I'm interested in you. I don't care what you believe. I'm interested in you. So he converted to Mormonism. And essentially that's kind of what got me and my little sister born into that church. Um, Growing up, I had no clue what was right or wrong, right? Like it's in a lot of ways indoctrination, um, which are around is what you believe and what you believe is what was told to you. So through that, um, Essentially, you know, did all the classes, did all the things. I was turning eight. And when you're uh, eight years old and you're Mormon, you're getting prepped for um, baptisms for the dead. Um, They don't call it that, obviously. But essentially, that is what's going on. Um, You're going to get baptized into the church. And so with that, you get a name, you know, attributed to you. Hey, you're being baptized for this person to move them up into the next level of heaven. All that Mormon theology, fun stuff, right? So I was going through those classes and things like that. And around that time, my sister and my mom were at a nail salon. Um, and my sister is crazy rebellious. Brandon knows. Um, that's just who she is. She's always been that way. Well, she ended up sitting in some random lady's lap. That random lady happened to be LaRue Lamance's lap. Mm. And um, so through that, you know mm. LaRue. Um, y'all know Ed from past couple past podcasts, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, if you know LaRue, she's the sweetest person to ever grace this planet. Um, she invited my mom to a Bible study. 
So my mom is a very much an extra, like she's a learner. She, she wants to study. She'll mm. go research things. She'll over research things and then talk herself out of the reason why she even started researching yeah. things. Like that's just who she is. So in Mormonism, the Bible, King James specifically is a part of what they call the quad. Right. Mm. You have four books in yeah. Mormonism that you believe, which already right there, if you know, Christian theology yeah. Yeah. messes up with solo scriptura. Like it's, there's one book. Um, so essentially, she was very interested just to, to continue learning and gaining that experience. You can get classes on learning of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Book of Mormon, all that in Mormonism. Mm -hmm. They don't really offer a lot of classes on the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, but so LaRue invited my mom. My mom, you know, jumped at it. And then through that, LaRue introduced my mom and dad to Ed. Boom, God starts to work. Um, and then essentially about... I would, I would probably say about a couple months later, my mom um, had a Jesus interaction um, while she was actually taking a bath at our old house in South Arlington. Um, and God just started to show her things. Mm -hmm. And then essentially my parents started, this is early internet, early internet. I did have a computer in my room, but I was the only computer in the house. Mm -hmm. um, just because I think I was closest, closest to the... It wasn't even the ethernet jack back then. It no, was like a DSL. weird... Yeah, it yep. was a whole yep. weird... Dial-up. Oh, 100% it was dial-up. So they go in there and they start researching stuff and they they see like, Joseph Smith isn't true and Joseph Smith in the top hat and seer stones and like all these things, like everything in my mom's life is getting like ripped up and torn mm. down. Me and Jesse really don't have any clue right. about what's going on, um, especially during that time. But essentially, you know, they're, they're realizing their whole life is getting turned upside down that they've been believing in a cult belief for my mom's entire life. And my dad's last like 10. I mean, so it's, it's very much not just like earth shaking. It's like life shaking mm. for them. Like mm. everything they've ever known, everything they've ever believed in a lot of ways for my mom at least. And so obviously through help with LaRue and Ed started kind of navigating that. My mom got plugged into a ex-Mormon group called the Watchmen um, with uh, James Walker. I think he's Dr. James Walker. I don't want to offend you, Dr. James. Um, <laughs> but uh, essentially, you know, helping them navigate leaving Mormonism. Like, I mean, there's TV shows about this stuff of like escaping Mormonism right. and all that. Like it's very much a process. It's not something that you can just, Hey, decide, Hey, I'm not going to this church. Now I'm going to another church. It's, it's like a decision. There's steps, you know, we got excommunicated from the church, um, all that kind of stuff. So it, it was a big deal. Um, thankfully I didn't get baptized into the church, um, because all of this was happening right around that time, mm -hmm. we kind of pressed pause on it all. So then fast forward a little bit, um, my mom, my dad, well, I guess slightly reverse in my parents' family, there's a lot of denominational beliefs on my dad's side. Mm -hmm. So my mom, obviously all Mormon going back seven generations. <clears throat> then on my dad's side, like we have a Jewish rabbi uncle. We have multiple uh, homosexual couples in on my dad's side. Uh, we have people that are assemblies. We have uh, Pentecostal. We have people that are atheists, like a whole gambit. So essentially when your life gets flipped upside down with their religious beliefs, in a lot of ways, it's like, where the heck do I go? Because I know that there's 
I, I don't think my mom ever really entered into this atheistic belief system of, mm-hmm. hey, this one wasn't right. true. I think she was intelligent enough to know, like, there's other things, like, there's a reason that my eyes have rods and cones in them that allow me to see colors in a unique way. Mm-hmm. That wasn't just from two cells slapping together right. randomly, you know? So with that, um, you know, we, we like went to a bunch of different churches and did all these different things, but our connection back to LaRue and Ed really led us here, um, to Lake church. And, uh, we were attending about, shoot, I would say about six, seven months. My mom and dad already made decisions of like, Hey, Jesus is the Lord of our life. But I mean, as an adult, you really don't know how to approach that situation being like a new believer and all that. Mm -hmm. So eventually they, they kind of made a decision of, Hey, we all want to take the altar call all at once as a family. Okay. Don't know why. I don't know if technically, Technically, it's theologically sound in any kind of way, but it was something that my my parents really wanted to do. And I was telling them, nah, it ain't happening. Um, for me, as like an eight-year-old becoming a nine-year-old around then, all I know is that my friends just got ripped out from under me outside of all my right. sport friends. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean this? Uh, how is this other thing any different? Me not knowing any of that, right? Um, but even like flashbacking a little bit as a Mormon kid, I would have very vivid dreams. Um, my mom would wake up. I would like talk in my sleep and my mom would wake up and write my dreams down. Mm. And so like, as like a six, five, five, six, seven year old, like I'm having these verbal dreams in the middle of the night of where I'm screaming out, like I am preordained as a Mormon child. Like, make, makes no sense to my mom. <laughs> and until looking back now, obviously yeah. like, and I would wake up and I would tell her about these different dreams and how this stuff would happen. And um, after two Sundays of my parents, like during the altar call, like looking down the aisle to me, because like Jesse was like, yeah, I'm ready to go. She's five. So she was like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'll go down there. Like, I'm like, no, it's not happening. God met me in a dream of where I was inside Lake Church's sanctuary um, with the red burgundy carpet, RIP. Um, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but we were walking down the center aisle towards the stage, also RIP. Um, but we were walking down the center aisle, me and Jesus are talking. And essentially we get to the foot of the stage, we transfigure up into the baptistry. And then Jesus is on my right, John the Baptist is on my left. I get baptized, I wake up. Next Sunday, I was like, Okay, something's going on. Um, Still didn't do it. Um, And later on that week, I believe it was a Thursday. And if you're in Arlington, um, you know where this place is, I'm about to say. We were driving down um, past Green's Produce, and God was just talking to me and tapping on my shoulder of like, hey, like, it's time. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. And so I just, I I was very vocal and transparent with my mom. We've always kind of had that relationship. Um, And so I just told her, I was like, Hey mom, I think I just heard that it's time. And she was like, okay. And so she walked me through the process. We pulled over on the side of the road. <laughs> she, said, she didn't crash. I mean, no, <laughs> no. She, she pulled over. She um, been waiting for this moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah she pulled over. Um, and, you know, we, you know, walked through, you know, what that was to accept Jesus into my life and in my heart and, you know, live that way. Right. Um, Cause it's, it's that both and like, it's, it's at the same thing. It's not just, Hey, Jesus, forgive all my things. Like 
it's also the aspect of, hey, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to make this obedience choice. Like, it's not just, hey, just cover me just because I, I need covering. Yeah, right. Like, it's it's a both and situation. Um, so with that, you know, did it the next Sunday. We go and get baptized all as a family. Um, and it was just a crazy, cool experience to be, you know, in that world and in that system um, of now, like, man, I was a part of a cult. Now I'm, you know, a part of the kingdom of heaven. Like looking back, wild, like just a lot of things um, just played into that. Like God knew what he was doing, um, which I know sounds like somewhat like crazy, but like God knew what he was doing. Like I was, I was destined to be a good little Mormon boy. Like that was my life. Like my mom always tells me all the time. She was like, you would have been the best missionary ever. Um, Cause I'm just so extroverted. I would have met people. It would have no. been, it would have been a thing. My only problem is me and bikes don't get along. Like that's just a lot of exercise. So I, would, I wouldn't have been interested in that. Um, I would have been that first group to petition for a vehicle that they have now. Um, but no, anyway, so with that stuff, essentially that's kind of, when it happened, I was nine, got baptized here at Lake Church in September 2001. Um, yeah, right around, I think it was, shoot, I don't even know if it was right before 9-11, if it was the Sunday before or it was right after, but it was 2001 September. Wow. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Just made that connection, didn't mm. even realize that. Um, but essentially, yeah, from then on, you know, have have lived towards the goal of following Christ. Um, and you know, I use those words specifically just cause man, we all mess up mm-hmm. like, but I feel like even on days of where I'm necessarily walking one degree off of sideways, I'm still technically moving forward towards the goal of following as yeah. Jesus, you know? And so that's kind of where, where I'm at. And then where I've, I've been from, um, you know, making that decision. Yeah. So that was at nine years old. Yep. So at what point in your life, because nine, you still got a lot of schooling left to go and you know, get a lot of growing up to do and stuff. So at what point in that life, in that period, did you realize that, you know, following Jesus is much more than just following Jesus. There has to be a relationship, right? So I have to really, yeah. now, now I'm interested in scripture. Now I'm interested in learning about him. Now I'm interested in spending time with him and talking to him, you know, things like that. Was that at yeah. the same time or it would come later? It was it was actually very much at the same time. Like I was then that kid that I had an eager, I, I was not a school person. I was not good at school, but man, I was eager to learn the Bible, mm. like memorizing yeah. verses, yeah. you know, being, you know, the first kid when you're nine, no one wants to pray. Like being that first kid to like, <laughs> Hey, I want to talk to God out loud. Like, I don't care. Like, yes, please let me talk. Um, you know, things of that nature. I was actively pursuing what has been laid before me as a relationship with Christ. Fast forward into life, right? Junior high, emotions, all those things happen. Mm. Well, a little bit more into it um, at 11. So going into um, seventh grade. So the summer going into seventh grade, um, I guess a little bit before that. My dad owned a flower wholesale shop. Um, and essentially that means he provided all the flowers to all the local flower shops. And, um, essentially the Valentine's day of my sixth grade year, he received yellow and orange flowers instead of pink and red flowers. Mm. And it's not like we're talking like 
you know, five grand worth of stuff. We're talking like millions of dollars of flowers. Mm. And it caused my dad's company to go bankrupt. And at that time, my dad's high school friend, one of his, you know, rich, bougie high school friends came back into his life, um, introduced drugs. um, And essentially my dad fell into it and he fell into, you know, all of that kind of stuff that comes with your life again, getting flipped upside down. Mm -hmm. Um, So he starts doing drugs. My mom kind of starts figuring some things out. Um, And then in the summer of going into seventh grade, my parents separate. Um, And then we go in and move into my grandma's house um, that just, she just lost her husband, my grandpa, Mm. boompa. Yes. You can all make fun of it. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) We move into uh, her house. Little did I know, um, she is she's had a very troubled life as well, um, and things like that. And so now losing her best friend, yeah. us entering into her life, she of course wanted us to come, but we're entering into her trauma as we're experiencing trauma. And then I was a literally a 11, 12 year old boy going into a sea of estrogen. Mm. Um, it was it was a very wild, crazy time. Um, then, you know, essentially going to junior high at that point without kind of a father figure there to navigate girls, navigate, honestly, yeah. like just the mm-hmm. life that you get hit with in junior high. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also the same junior high that my dad went to, went to his yeah. football coach was my football coach. <laughs> and so like everything I did was, especially during those times was about beating him, being better than him, mm. all of those different things. Like I would talk to coach Cheryl and be like, cool. What was my dad's records on this stuff? Cool. I'm breaking that as a seventh grader and we're going to then go and do all these other things. At that time, I still thought I had a chance at like the league. Yeah. So (laughs) four foot eight, (laughs) Bobby running (laughs) in seventh grade thought I I can play something. We'll figure it out. Yeah. But everything I did was very much in motivation towards, Hey, he's not in my life. I can't get mad at him right now. Like in that way, like this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to beat him. This is how I'm going to be better than him. And honestly, like from, I would say from nine to sixth grade, I was that like, if you could be a perfect kid that accepts Christ at nine to sixth grade, boom, that was it. Mm -hmm. Seventh grade on man, it was a struggle for life. Every single thing, like interaction with girls, very ungodly um you know just interaction thoughts very ungodly mm. um and i don't want to necessarily blame like because that stuff was happening i was never really introduced to it yeah for some reason there was some kind of protection over me because looking back now like my friends and stuff like that that were at my old elementary school that stuff that happened in junior high was going on I just never, I guess, was open to it in my mm. brain of like what was going on around me. I just lived in my own little thing. Um, but once seventh grade happened, my dad wasn't there, like all these different things, man, it was then just sin hit me like a ton of bricks for the first time really in my life. Mm. Um, and I was still going to church every single week. Like, and and then that stuff started to almost like transfer into like youth group and things like that. Like I was mm. that kid in youth group that I was trying to date every single girl would write them inappropriate notes and do all of that mm. stuff. Like that world that I was experiencing in junior high transferred into me as a youth group, which looking back now, like, man, like the amount of like 
embarrassment outside of like God's covering is ridiculous mm. in regards to like people and, and women of the faith that I know today that the questions and the words and the things that I've said and asked and it's, it's disgusting. Mm. Um, and so that like that world really then kind of came in and just hit from seventh really through, um, you know, into high school. Uh, but at the same time, like I'm still growing, I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, reading the Bible. It's just things that it wasn't necessarily being applied and lived out in my life. Um, what I was intaking, but I still was intaking, um, which is, is kind of weird, but I know like through, you know, other people's stories, like that's just a thing sometimes, like you can be in his presence daily and still be like, just jacked up as everybody else mm -hmm. in regards to life. Absolutely. And so, um, essentially moving, you know, forward through that, um, I meet my wife when I was 15, about to turn 16, um, spring break of 2009. Um, and yeah, we started dating. Honestly, my first words out of my mouth to her were super inappropriate. And her first words back to me were, yeah, you're never going to say that to me again. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like, honestly, first girl to challenge that. Mm. And I was like, in a way that's extremely attractive. Um, but also at the same time, Bex was so special and so unique because she wasn't trying like everybody else, like girls. And mm. I mean, she was a junior, I was a sophomore, junior year girls, they're wearing makeup. They're trying to impress. They're, they're doing all this stuff. Bex was wearing a white target V-neck and gray fire department sweatpants every single day to school. <laughs> like that was her thing. And so that was one of those things. I even mentioned it at the vows of my wedding was like, that's, you know, what she wore and it wore and it stood out to me because man, she wasn't there to impress anybody. She yeah. was there because she was doing school and mm. whatever, you know, start dating her. Uh, my, my sin nature was still very much evident early on. We broke up like seven different times because mm. I would talk to another girl. I would, you know, and ask other girls inappropriate things, whatever, all this stuff. And then we would just keep dating, not dating, you know, all of that. And then essentially we went on a, like a seven, six year stint, um, of where we just, you know, we're constantly dating all that fun stuff. Um, fell in love with her, obviously, you know, super early on. Um, with that. And honestly, she's just allowed me to become a better Christian, a better man than I have today on top of my basic understanding of, you know, the, the system of what I accepted when I was nine. And like, she's pushed me, she's grown me, she's helped, you know, be along those ways. So then after those six years, we have a, a big breakup. At that time, um, Brandon uh, started being the worship pastor at Lake Church. And I was a part of choir and all these different things. But I saw things in him that I liked and wanted in my life in regards to his walk and all those different things. So to clarify, you're talking about Brandon Barton, right? Brandon here, Barton, with us. yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. Yes. And so the literally the next day of, of the breakup, like we had planned a couple weeks before for us to have our first discipleship like meeting mm -hmm. that was literally the, it just happened to be the next day. And so the night before me and Bex break up, 
I'm aimlessly walking the streets of Arlington, um, just all over the place. I come back in super late at night and then I'm meeting Brandon, I think at like eight or nine in the morning on that Saturday. Hmm. Then we had three meals at that taco cabana because we sat there and talked <laughs> for that long. Um, and then the next like three other like times we met were again, like six hours, mm. like five hours, four hours. And I think we were already maybe even playing softball by then mm. together. And so like we would talk at pluckers for like five hours, um, you know, things of that nature broke up. We were broken up all summer pretty much. During that time, Brandon's really pouring into me, um, really challenging my thinking. We recognize in a lot of ways, like we've lived very much a very similar life, um, but he's, you know, 12 years older. Like, okay, there's things that I can learn and take from that in regards to, hey, you live this. How'd you navigate this? Which is what our friendship has really been based around is like, hey, you've had this. You've dealt with this. How did you do that? And some days I listen to what Brandon says. Some days I don't listen to what Brandon says. Both have had good outcomes and both have had bad outcomes, actually. Brandon was one that told me to try Christian mingle at one point. And look, looking back now, no, it was a joke, but I'm too gullible to know that. But regardless, um, you know, things of that nature are silly. He, you know, was just very, very much there for me that summer. And, um, towards the end of it, me and Bex, uh, you know, start to, you know, talk again and things of that nature. You end up getting back together a year later, we propose, we get married, all that. And so that's kind of that part of the story. And then that really enters into kind of the next thing, which is, or, or one of the next things, which is like church ministry and things like that into that area and stage of kind of my career and life path. Yeah. So one of your previous jobs was a creative arts pastor. Yep. What exactly is a creative arts pastor? <laughs> how, in the time that you did that, how have you seen God move through? Yeah. So um, my first on staff, I guess that's not true. I was a, I was a youth, uh, I was a youth interim pastor at a church in Seagaville. While I was there, I knew there was an interim position from the get go. So we kind of started looking for, you know, next churches. Mm -hmm. At the time I was at DBU um, studying intercultural studies to really kind of be more of a missions pastor kind of thing. Or, you know, um, that was that was the goal at the time. Um, and so was doing that. We were looking for different churches. We found a church uh, called TCAL and uh, mm -hmm. we were I was helping out with some lyric slides for them. I, I knew one of the worship guys there from an earlier interview before I even ever got the Seagaville job um, and started just doing worship slides and things of that nature for them. That then turned into social media. Hey, have us run your social media. I was doing that while then cutting leather for a golf company. Like mm. it was wild, but um Doing those things, we then transitioned to going to TCAL after my interim was over with the Seagaville. Love them. Love Pastor Don. They're amazing people. Um, but uh, essentially transitioned over to TCAL and was their social person. And then essentially that turned into, hey, you need graphic design. You need this. You need that. You need someone to think pretty much creatively. Um, and growing up at Lake Church, I knew that 
a position was called creative arts pastor because of Jason Medlin. And so I was like, cool, I could be Jason Medlin for this church. Mm. Um, and it, it was working out great. It was awesome. Um, I ended up also like, you know, becoming almost like a junior high pastor for them for a time. So they were transitioning from youth guys. So we split high school and junior high and I kind of took the junior high, did all that. Um, and so this is around like our first year of being married. Hmm. Um, and Bex at the time was a teacher coach at young. And, um, so we were very much two ships that would pass in the night. Hmm. Um, she would be coming home from, you know, a game at like eight, nine o'clock. And then I'd be coming home from, um, you know, a youth event, or I'd be coming home from this like training meeting or whatever. Um, and we just never would really see each other. And the main thing in our relationship that always has been like our toughie is communication. I am very pro communication. Bex is less pro communication. Um, but with that, we are, you know, while us passing in the night, like our communication is not really happening and mm. all those things. Um, and essentially we move forward a little bit. Uh, it's like, the next summer, about our one year anniversary, um, I made a dumb mistake. And um, essentially that then started the process of me um, being, you know, asked to not be a junior high pastor anymore. Mm. Um, they still wanted me to stay and do, you know, graphic design and yeah. all of that stuff. But I could see the stress that it was adding on my pastors. And um, I love them. I still do. I literally just saw them the other day. Um, but essentially, you know, my dumb mistake then created in the, my first issue of like me losing a job mm. because of my mistake, um, that then, you know, pretty much started like a, not like a landslide, but like a thing of where I couldn't find church jobs. And it wasn't yeah. just because of this situation. It was just, I couldn't find them. Yeah. People weren't interested in me, all those different things. Um, and so I, started my church and media company mm. um at the time it was everybody it was everything it was small mm -hmm. business church whoever needed anything photo video um graphics because that's what i'd just been doing as the creative arts pastor all all things communications and graphics for the sake of the kingdom hey yeah. you see it you interact with it boom i want you to be able to experience worship and what that is um so all that skill set then take it to my business and apply it and things started happening. I'd get, you know, gigs and stuff like that to be able to do things. Um, but also at the same time, like having to pick up, you know, Ubers and, you know, to make things work and, and, and function because of my mistake and my mm. stuff, like being able to then go and like still provide stuff for our family. Yeah. Bex at the time was our uh, main income provider. So like, I didn't have to make up much. I wasn't making a lot anyway at mm -hmm. the church I was at. Um, but essentially I was still having to do all those things, but I knew that, Hey, this was my like mess up. Like I gotta come in and do these different things. But the cool, amazing part is I called Eric up. I called Brandon up and I was like, Hey, I need a place to come back and, and heal. And, you know, one, just like be able to, operate in the presence of, you know, God, like, and not be necessarily expected to do anything because at that point in my life, like 
if I went anywhere, it was, hey, Bobby, come do this. Hey, Bobby, come run this. Hey, like, because my skill set was so vast in what the church was needing at the time, like the capital C church, if I attended anywhere more than two weeks, it was, hey, you, you have a church media company, like come do this. And I was like, I didn't know. Like, so coming back to Lake Church at that time was just extremely huge and healing. Me and Brandon had been in our discipleship relationship that entire time. Um, he likes to say that I replaced him, which is not true. Um, but that's what he claims. And, um, so from there we, you know, then kind of navigate healing process, what that looks like here back at home. Cause Lake church is home for Becca too. She was mm. born on a Thursday in the nursery on a Sunday here. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that's very much our home. We wanted to be back here and we're able to heal and man, like God moved in, in that time in our life and in our marriage. And like, honestly, it's made us so strong and so reliant upon him um, for literally every single thing. Like at, during those times, it was for every single dollar that would come in outside of her income, you know, now of where it's like, man, like we've lived some life together. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this little thing over here, like that's nothing. Like God's got that. Like it's our lives up until that point had really been, um, a lot of ways handed to us, like experiencing our privilege and, you know, things of that nature of being both in, you know, middle income families. And yeah. like, it was kind of that first time of where it's like, man, like we've navigated some ish, you know, like this is something that I love that <laughs> my Christian cuss words navigated some ish. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's, it's something looking back now, like, man, like, it's so cool that it's a part of our story to be able to look back and reflect on all what God's done. Um, and yeah, we were, we were back here for a good while. I almost forgot to mention, but my parents actually ended up getting back together after my dad, um, you know, showed that his life had been changed and he got clean and, um, all that stuff. You know, after some time, my parents started redating and then ended up actually getting remarried on their wedding day. Um, however many years after their original one. Um, and so, yeah, almost forgot about that. I love that. So we talked about hashtag church okay. and how that started. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last time you we were on. Uh, just expand into that. Like, tell us, tell us how that kind of got started and how God's continuing to, you know, cultivate that in your everyday life uh, and especially how it's providing for your family. Well, and it's been a few weeks too, so yeah. I'm sure there's more yeah. to talk about. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> Hashtag Church is a uh, church media platform that wants to help resource, equip, and develop churches and nonprofits to navigate through the digital era. Um, that's a lot of fancy words because people told me that I needed a mission statement, and there you go. Um, but essentially, we want to help churches and nonprofits communicate what they were put on this planet to do. So for some churches, it's glorify God and pursue people like it is at Lake Church. You know, for some nonprofits, it's they want to help orphans in Sierra Leone. Great. Cool. We want to help you effectively do your calling. Mm. Um, And so a lot of ways right now, that is through media. So churches don't really have the people, don't have the knowledge, don't have um, the experience even to be able to navigate these things that or happening, you know, social media, AI now, like all of that stuff 
churches, nonprofits, they were always kind of six to 10 years behind the eight ball in regards to that yeah. stuff, where I very much operate in the immediate and then in the future. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm on that end, like we talked about in the beginning, like I'm up in the space. So I'm seeing a lot of things that are happening in other areas that I'm able to almost um, like predict, predict about yeah. what's coming next. It may be over here in a small niche in Europe, like European churches that are navigating this. Okay, cool. Well, that's 1.5 years away from hitting the American church, whatever. Like that's kind of how my brain thinks and operates. Um, and so with that, that's what hashtag church does. So we right now are, you know, helping churches. This is right before Easter. So like we're helping churches navigate Easter. And so that's running ads. That's, oh, yeah. um, you know, helping them navigate like, Hey, what services, what, what services are going to look like? Hey, make sure your website is friendly for an Easter audience. Like it's, it's a lot. It's my busiest time of year. Um, like if Santa and Christmas, this is Bobby and Easter (laughs) is, is what that is, um, at a hashtag church. And so don't come in my house (laughs) while I'm sleeping, Bobby. I won't. (laughs) Maybe <laughs> I won't come through a chimney though. I'll just knock on the phone. Okay. <laughs> that's good. But uh, yeah, so essentially that's what we do. We help, we help churches and nonprofits navigate that stuff. And, and it just looks different for everybody. But, yes. So yeah. I think that, um, I mean, you, you talk about multiple businesses primarily because they each have a purpose in your yeah. life. Right. And so right now hashtag is the big thing, but yep. what do you see? moving forward in the future how do you see god kind of leading you in the future is it is it hashtag forever or is it you know you've got other passions that you know god wants you to do that are coming up yes um <laughs> all, the all of the above yeah e. so a hundred percent um i think god placed it on my heart honestly about five six months ago that hashtags forever um with that one of the moves that we're going to do is hashtags going to become a nonprofit. um and so with that, I won't own it. Yeah. Um, because it's not mine. Yeah. Like it's God's. Right. Um, you know, we we offer the same service for um for profit companies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Shift Three. That's a hashtag on a computer. Um, so essentially, <laughs> like Shift Three is the for profit company. Cool. We we can do that. I can keep that forever. Hashtag is not mine. Like mm-hmm. God gave me hashtag. Mm-hmm during that time of when we were transitioning out of TCAL was, Hey, do this. Like he put on my heart right then, Hey, church Buzzfeed. I had mm. no clue what the heck that meant. Yeah. Um, I still really don't, um, because it doesn't exist. Finally get out every day. That you, that yeah. you go through this like every single day is like a new way, a yeah. new thing that it can be. My problem is I need more hands and more feet and then more dollars to pull it off. Yeah. And so, um, with, with all of that, he needs some more shift four. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Sorry. So anyway, the, uh, navigating the problem is, is now you just gave him like five more ideas <laughs> for shift four. Y'all are ridiculous. That's also not true. Um, this is new donation I website shift four. I literally have a list of business ideas on my notion app. I don't need another one. Uh, not right now. Whatever. You know, you just now created one right there. No, stop. Shift now four. my head's going that I just, way. I just need shift five shift as a percentage four. to continue to move forward. Y'all are killing me. Anyway. Right. Um, Sorry. But no, you're fine. But essentially vision for it. Hashtag moving forward forever. Right. Like God's placed that on my heart. Um, 
He's also placed it in other people's heart. Uh, nothing I do on this earth, um, I do without vetting it through people. Um, and Brandon's one of those persons. Yeah. Becca is one of those persons. And then depending on what I need or relationships or connections, then those other people get involved, mm-hmm. right? Brandon and Becca are on every single, like mm-hmm. essentially they're in that intro brain meeting mm-hmm. that I'm having with me and the Lord. And then I like download it to them. Hey, this is what I'm thinking. And then, well, Brandon only responds to half the questions I ask. Yeah, I'm on so, the board. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's God and then Becca, then me. And apparently we're all on the board for all of those. Yep, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but you're just a presence by name, right? Yeah, because he responds to ask the questions. Absentee ballot. Yep, yep. Um, But essentially, I vetted through other people because I know that I'm human and I can misinterpret and do all those other things. So, you know, like hashtag forever, that's that's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure that that happens. Everything else that we do essentially funds hashtag. Right now, hashtag is all out of my pocket. So like anytime we, I have an editor edit a video. I'm paying for that out of profits of other companies Hmm. like or profits of clients or whatever. Like that's how that works and operates. Yeah. And so eventually when we make this pivot and change to go nonprofit, it's going to open up a lot more doors to do a bunch of other stuff. Hmm. Vision future for other things. Um, I'm definitely not done with business stuff. Like I'm not going to ever be done. Like it's, it's a really fun list um, to look at on my business ideas. Um, you know, to navigate a, a bunch of different things. Uh, some things that I, I don't mind sharing on the podcast, other things I don't want people taking it, um, <laughs> because they're just good ideas, vision stuff moving forward. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, new businesses that aren't even in, you know, fertilization stage in my brain are eventually the things that make it happen, um, and make, you know, our, our lives set for all the different things I've talked about before of where everybody kind of has their own little thing. Um, but yeah, just honestly, like our, our moving forward step is me and Becca for the last few years have been in a state of open handedness. Um, and so everything we do, we operate with open hands. And so if God wants to place it in our hands, great. If he wants to take it out, great. Like, I am literally his vessel to do what he needs to do through me, through my connections, through my mouth, through my videos, through whatever, like that I'm literally here to do what he needs to accomplish on stuff. And so, um, you know, vision looking forward, I see a lot more of that, um, being able to train our children into what that posture looks like of like, yeah, you know, some days like, you know, you're going to get a toy from Target. Great. Cool. Like some days you're not going to get a toy for tar- like just even like simple, like little things for children brains to understand, like walking in this presence of man, every single thing that I do and interact with every single mile that I drive in my truck, every single Red Bull or monster that I drink, like it is, it is an open handed system of where it's like, that may not be here tomorrow. And like, I have to knowingly be okay with that. And it's just crazy how the spirit has been able to to work in our lives of where it's like, man, like all this could get ripped away tomorrow. Yeah. And like that doesn't change what we feel about God, what we feel about the people around us. Like what we are navigating through is he has placed it here for us to, you know, either 
observe or grow it or tend to it or, you know, all these different things. And then if he wants to take it, if he wants to use it for something else, if he wants to just keep it with us, like we're, we're good. This is it. Mm. And, and so just continuing down life's highway with that thing. Yeah. So. So about God being at the center of, of all your decisions and everything else. So as we close our time, uh, what is that that one scripture? What is that one story that just continues to draw you back in day after day as times are great, as times are hard? Like, what, what is that? Yeah, it's First uh, Samuel 3 um, when God is calling Samuel. And so essentially Samuel is trying to sleep. A homeboy gets, uh, you know, a someone yelling his name. He runs back to his prophet, his disciple, or Nathan. Why are you calling me? And, hey, <laughs> what's up? What You calling me? Like, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Like, multiple times, right? And then Nathan essentially figures out, like, oh, God's trying to tell you something. Ask next time. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Like, okay. Like, if I was Samuel in that situation— I, I honestly probably wouldn't know if that was the first time I was ever hearing that. And that hadn't been ingrained in my brain for years like it has now. Like being the person experiencing it, man, what a crazy concept mm. of like, man, like God's trying to talk to me right now and I'm missing it. And my, you know, my person that I am learning from is like, oh, he picked it up. He, he got it. Okay, cool. Well, now next time that happens, I just... I got to make sure that I don't think it's him again. Like I got (laughs) to respond like, okay, speak Lord for your servant hears. And then God starts to like lay things out for Mm. him. And essentially I want to make sure that I don't get it wrong, but essentially um, at the end of that chapter, because it's really pretty much riddled through the entire thing. Right. Mm. Um, But essentially speak Lord for your servant hears. Um, Behold. And God says to Samuel after the, the last time, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Mm. And like from that moment on, like God's favor that is upon Samuel because he is walking in the presence of the Lord with what he said is just crazy. Um, and essentially in, in verse 19, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Mm. Like if I could place anything on my life, like if you could speak things into existence and they happen, right. And some things we believe that can happen with the Lord, you know, your words have power, but like if I could speak that over my life, Holy smokes. Like that's, that's what I want. That's what I want on my gravestone. I mean, Bobby was known from, Arlington to wherever, like he was a prophet of the Lord in being established underneath his lordship and his guidance that his words never fell to the ground. Mm. Like his words never fell to the ground because he was literally proclaiming God everywhere he was going. Like he was prophesying to these people. He was speaking on the Lord's behalf to directly to them. Mm. Every word he said was hanging on their ears Mm. He was the one that was saying things that made their ears tingle that God declared on his life that night. Like, that's what I want. Yeah. Like, mm. and so, like, I have that verse tattooed on my arm. That, th- I want that to be a life verse. And how my, like, 
tattoos work on my left arm. Everything below my elbow is versus for me. Mm. Everything above my elbow is declarations on my life to go and do. Mm. Right. So I have the great commission like up on my collarbone. But I have speak Lord for your servant here directly on my forearm that I can look down and I can see the entire verse. Mm. Like it's that impactful to me. Yeah. And I just have to continue to walk with that in mind. And so everything I do from videos to podcasts to, you know, AI written articles to whatever, that's how, you know, I, I need to be able to walk in, in that mindset of yeah. letting my words not fall to the ground. All right. Awesome. So um, I know you have umpteen million businesses and umpteen million websites and social media platforms and stuff, no. but let's maybe narrow it down to one or two that our guests can get in touch with you or learn more about hashtag or something like that. I'm pointing them to hashtag. Um, but essentially website is www.hashtag spelled out dot church. Um, that is also almost all of our social medias. Um, but if you type in hashtag church, we're going to pop up, yeah. um, anywhere. Essentially we're the yellow and black logo. Um, it's with a scratchy kind of grungy hashtag symbol. Yeah. Um, that's where you can find, you know, all the things out. If you wanted to reach out directly to me for something, you just do Bobby at hashtag dot church. That's my email it goes directly to me. Um, and yeah, essentially I'm, I'm down to answer questions, talk. All, all of the things. I'm a 24-7 guy. So if y'all hit me up at 2 a.m., I might answer. <laughs> I might answer just the next morning. But genuinely, I'm 24-7. I'm I, I make time for later. everybody. <laughs> I, I try to make space for everybody. So yeah. if you genuinely you have any kind of question, like, Good. I'm down. Awesome. Dope. Thanks for coming, man. Love you. Bobby King. You, Thanks so much, buddy. Folks, if you want to learn more about who Jesus is, visit us at thetestamentpod.com. That's thetestamentpod.com. And click on the gospel message at the top of the page. Also, you can click on the Testament Podcast tab and learn more about our podcast and see what our most recent episodes are that we've launched. In addition, we're always looking for guests who want to brag on God. So please send yourself or someone you know to thetestamentpod.com and drop us a line with your interest or email us at thetestamentpod at gmail.com. We'll send you all the information we need in order to book you for an interview. Remember, do your part. Help us get these testimonies out there. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and then like and share our posts so your friends can see what we're doing too. So thanks everybody for listening. Bye.